You're listening to EDX Education. This podcast series discusses play, being creative, and learning for children. Join Heather Welch sharing knowledge, information, and support on play-based learning. We'll explore the benefits, value, different stages of play, and so much more. Let's play, learn, and create to develop lifelong learners and leaders together. Hello everyone, it's Heather Welch and I'm so excited to chat about play as we always do, play-based learning or learning through play at EDX Education. Over the last two years, we've chatted with amazing people on this podcast, so many experts and created um, resource, educational resources, experiences and toys. You know, the last few podcasts we've looked at the value of play, social and emotional learning, stages of play, parents, mindfulness. You know, we've also looked at understanding emotions, and today we're going to discuss something that's actually quite close to my heart, which is self-regulation play and children in the early years. You know, this is close to my heart because one of my children has found it really hard to self-regulate over the past few years, and there's been a lot of contributing factors that we're still working through, and I'd just like to discuss that today because it's been quite a process to look at. You know, first of all, let's start to think about, well, what is self-regulation? How does it affect children in the early years? Is it just a tantrum? Well, no, it isn't actually. So, you know, self-regulation is actually our ability as a child and also as an adult to consciously control our own thoughts, feelings and behaviours. Look, it begins to develop in children and continues on to adult when we're adults as well. You know, you do find some adults still can't self-regulate. However, it's best that we teach them in the early years. You know, self-regulation, you know, includes understanding our own behaviour and reactions, managing our emotions and our reactions. And this includes anger, frustration, excitement, being able to control those impulse behaviour, learning to behave well, learning to get along with others and being able to calm down after something distressing or exciting has happened. You know, self-regulation is so important, you know, to learn socially acceptable behaviour, which allows people to make friends and maintain friends, be successful at school if they're able to listen and focus in lessons. And as we mentioned before, becoming independent as they can choose appropriate behaviour with less guidance from adults. You know, if a child in the early years is struggling with self-regulation, they will find it hard to make those quality connections socially, not just with their friends, it's with teachers and caregivers. They'll find it hard to focus, learn and have fun. And let's be honest, happy, healthy children do play nicely. They play. It's been suggested, you know, there's lots of contributing factors that lead to a lack of self-regulation, which we're going to talk about today. You know, children and young people that have autism or have difficulty, have difficulty regulating their emotions. And this is due to difficulties in processing and expressing their emotions. But let's, let's break self-regulation down and look at the core root of it. So there are five domains of self-regulation, which we'll talk about today. And understanding these domains will help us look past the behavior of a child and look at why it occurs in the individual in the first place and it'll allow us to help manage it if we can maybe look at one of the domains and the areas that is not working for them. These domains are separate but they're interlinked, they work together. If you're considering why a child is showing signs of stress, it's important to consider all the five domains which we're about to chat about to form a complete picture. This can help us to find out why they're trying to express through this behaviour and it may not be the most positive behaviour at times. So let's talk about the five domains. 
First of all, we have the biological domain. You know, factors such as sleep, nutrition, physical exercise, state of health, level of energy and sensory input affect stress and behaviour in the biological domain. The way that a child's brain has developed will have long-term effects on their mental health. So this is a really important one. Number two, we have the emotional domain. And this refers to the individual's ability to evaluate and modify their emotions and being able to self-regulate. So how do they self-regulate their emotions when they're too excited, when they're feeling overwhelmed, when they're frustrated? Then there's the cognitive domain. And this refers to the individual's ability to remain focused, maintain concentration, and their ability to switch from task to task, but with focus, not task to task and not focusing. Then there's the social domain. So this is the fourth one. This looks at the impact the individual and their behaviour and actions are having on others. Can they build a connection with friends, with caregivers? Do they have that blueprint to understand what's socially acceptable, socially good behaviour. The pro-social domain, this involves positive behaviours that enable an individual to have friendships, social acceptance and empathy. This domain is strongly related to all other four domains. There's a lot of research on this and there's a Dr. Stuart Shanke, a research professor who has advised on the early years development for a long time. And you can read, if you Google him, you'd read a lot of things about the five domains. Okay. And, you know, the five domains that affect a children's ability to learn effectively, you know, knowing which domain is causing stress can help you support them and help them feel at their best and aid their learning. You know, examples of stresses for children in each domain. Let me just, we'll go through each one. So in biological, let's think about it. So if they're hungry, they're thirsty, that can affect their mood and concentration. You know, we have that saying where we say someone is hangry. If they're ill or in pain, if they're hot or cold, if they're, you know, hypo or hyper to sensory input, that, you know, touch, smell, lie, they could be tired due to lack of sleep. They're all biological stresses that they're going to find that can potentially set them off. Now, the next one is emotional. If they're too overexcited, if they've got negative emotions, which can affect behaviors such as fear, anger, sadness, anxiety, but they have to be able to. They might not know that they've got these feelings because they can't differentiate between their feelings. You know, being frustrated if they're finding work too difficult, feeling overwhelmed if they've been asked too many instructions and they're not processing those instructions. That they can make them feel overwhelmed. Like you think about a classroom, I know with my own child, if you put 30 children in a classroom with instructions, with 30 voices, with the noise, with everything, it's completely overwhelming experience for them. The next one is cognitive, and this is really important. This is the working processing memory, the work, poor working memory, difficulty in sequencing thoughts, easily distracted, or, you know, 30 kids in a room, too many interruptions, time pressure, boredom, maybe even being confused, or just generally a lack of attention. Then you have social. It's the inability to understand facial expressions. Are they happy? Are they sad? I don't really understand. Unable to act on social cues and not understanding a tone of voice. Yeah, they're really important. They can be important. That can can lead to a you know lack of self regulation and a little bit of a breakdown. The other one is pro social, having an ill or sad friend or family member, feeling other people's stress. You know, seeing strong emotions from other people. That's you know pro social. Feeling a sense of injustice. All of them can 
set off a child in self-regulation. They can actually, you know, it's the stresses for the five domains. There are many more as well, but these are just a start of what we're going to look at. You know, I suppose the next thing to think about, we've looked at the five domains. So we've looked at biological, we've looked at emotional, cognitive, social, and pro-social. And they're the five domains interlinked, but you can break down and you can see the triggers happening for your children's behavior. And you can break down and support them for that behavior going forward. You know, now we're going to look at, you know, what are ways to support children in, in managing these emotional responses? You know, first of all, there's we need to help them identify the emotion and finding ways to delay it like calming techniques you know i know for my child he's got a safe space in the and he's got a few like sensory toys that he goes and sits and he takes you could call it time out or they call it a safe space and he has these and it helps him respond to that frustration frustration sorry or feeling overwhelmed which it is an overwhelm even even anxiety so these calming techniques sometimes include deep breathing or counting, for example. I know one of them he loves, which is, I don't know if you know a lot of these breathing techniques, but one of them is smell the flowers and blow out the candle. And you do that three or four times and actually your whole body becomes to calm. And that's something that he's actually, I remember when I was getting cross at his brother once, he said to me, mummy, I think you need to smell the flowers and blow out the candle and he did it with me three times which is actually really sweet because it shows that he has an understanding of this moving forward which is a really big step for a child that has found it really hard has had a lack of self-regulation you know i mean that first thing is you know you and the caregivers or yourself and whoever's a key caregiver for your children need to identify a safe space so that they know that safe space at home or at school or even after school activities is there if they need it you know, if everyone understands the behaviour, then it's not treated like a naughty child. It's treated like a child looking for, is communicating negative behaviour, but they're looking to a way to understand it and they don't understand it themselves. So that's understanding the emotions, educate them on about different emotions, talk to them how they feel. You could do role plays, emotional responses to situations and experiences. You know, you could just talk. They might not understand the difference between being excited, surprised, cross, angry. There's a lot of different emotions that we do have. You know, developing that emotional vocabulary is amazing. It's There's a whole lot of different ways, like emotional cards. I've seen emotional bingo. They've seen all sorts of things. There's an amazing way that you can teach your children their emotions the other one is you know there is a way that you can create consequences where the child or young person is rewarded for good behaviors and disencouraged for unwanted behaviors um, i'm not everyone's for reward charts and actually i find that it works for some but not all you know praise works really well if a child feels praised they feel empowered and that's a really great way to make sure a you're really empowering a child for their behavior i mean that is one of the most important things is what does work for your child what does work for the child and you discuss it and if you're all doing a consistent approach you figure out these domains and then they learn to process these regulations you know, things like you can put adaptations in place. For example, if they're hungry, maybe they need to either have a snack or an earlier lunch. If they're finding it hard to concentrate, is there a way that we can break down the instructions and make smaller tasks to the larger task? So, you know, if you want to understand the five domains, 
biological, emotional, cognitive, social and prosocial with self-regulation. You can understand the stresses and triggers for children, especially in the early years. And as I was mentioning before, this looks beyond, beyond the behaviour of a child to a child that is communicating, it needs help. We don't know how to understand these emotions. My behaviour is not meant to be like this. And it's an area that I need to develop. I need adaptations you know, and other comforts. So one of the most important thing is to look beyond the behaviour at times, see why this is happening, and it's up to us as educators to help them through this process. Listen to your child and have time to go through the process and think about the five domains. Is it after they've had a late night? Are they really hungry? Or as we say, hangry. Have I asked too many instructions of them and they can't process that? Have they forgotten? Are they feeling frustrated? Are they overwhelmed? Are they not understanding what their friends are asking them? Are they not able to make that relationship? All these are really important things. And through play, we can develop this. And that's one of the most important things. Free and unstructured play is a great way for you to build your cognitive development to gain social and emotional, you know, and even pro-social. I mean, these are amazing ways to always look at play and children in the early years. Thank you for listening to us today. And we look forward to sharing more information about play and children in the next podcast. There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you, so do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners.